This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Is it Thursday? (laughs) I don't even know what day it is anymore. It is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's actually uh, March the 24th. Uh, 2022. I honest to God, you know, this, this whole working from home thing, you, sometimes you forget what day it is. I mean, I knew the date. I just didn't know what day of the week it was. It is the Thursday. We're glad, glad, glad to hear that. Uh, lots to get to this morning. Um, the NCAA basketball tournament resumes tonight. Uh, looking forward to that, uh, tonight and tomorrow night, the sweet 16 will take place. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, just uh, wanted to take a second this morning to uh, recognize the passing of Madeline Albright. Uh, you know, in, in a time now where we're uh, talking about the possibility of the first uh, black woman on the Supreme Court in Katanji Brown, uh, Madeline Albright was a trailblazer in American politics. She became the first woman to head up the State Department, our first Secretary of State that was a female. Uh, in this country, of course, Hillary Clinton later followed, um, and a woman that uh, grew up and uh, was born and uh, grew up in Czechoslovakia, and uh, when she was uh, young, uh, just uh, a toddler, her parents had to escape uh, or evade uh, Hitler and the Nazis, and so that's uh, her background. Matter of fact, when she was Secretary of State, usually the Secretary of State is in line uh, for ascension to the presidency. You know, they become part of that whole, you know, vice president and uh, speaker of the house, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if something were to happen, uh, but she was not eligible for that because she was not born in the United States. As I said, born in Czechoslovakia, uh, but she served as Secretary of State under Bill Clinton. And uh, also served as uh, ambassador to the United Nations in Clinton's first term and then later became his secretary of state. Uh, But she passed away uh, yesterday from cancer at the age of 84. And, uh, you you know, we we take so many things for granted now that and we still have a long way to go as far as. uh, equality for women goes. There's no question about that. We're still facing situations where uh, women can do the same job as a man and get paid less. And, uh, you know, we're still fighting uh, not just equality for the sexes. We're fighting equality for races. And, I mean, it's just you, you, we're making progress, but we're not there yet. But Katanji Brown getting uh, um, onto the Supreme Court is another step in the right direction. Um you know, and it's going to happen because the uh, the Congress can do it without 
uh, any Republican support, but I think she will get some Republican support as well. I don't think this is going to be strictly along party lines, or at least I hope not, because good Lord, uh, you know, I'm so tired of this, this partisan politics stuff. But uh, anyway, so uh, one trailblazer in Madeleine Albright passes at the age of uh, 84, and uh, hopefully we will have our first uh, black female on the Supreme Court coming up here in the next couple of weeks. There is a vote scheduled, I believe it is, on uh, April the 4th. Uh, so hopefully uh, before Easter, uh, we'll, we will have our first uh, black woman on the Supreme Court and another trailblazer uh, as one uh, passes. As I mentioned, the uh, NCAA tournament resumes tonight. Uh, all eyes actually, you know, it's funny, the, the game isn't even until Friday, but all anybody seems to be able to talk about is the darlings of this uh, NCAA tournament. Of course, uh, St. Peter's, it's still shocking to me. Uh, that they are in this thing. Look, they've got their hands full. They've got to play Purdue, you know. And uh, uh, but I didn't think they'd beat Kentucky. Matter of fact, nobody thought they'd beat Kentucky, which is why you know 99% of the brackets <laughs> in the United States blew up after they beat Kentucky. Nobody thought they'd get past Murray State. So I'm not counting anything out when it comes to Purdue. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, St. Peter's. If you've never been there. It's in Jersey City. It's a tiny school. It's a school that would, you know, to be honest with you, it's easy to miss. My first experience with St. Peter's was we played them in football uh, when I was at uh, Central Connecticut State University, and they don't even play on campus. They played at Liberty Park, uh, which is right on the uh, on the uh, the water, and you can like you can see the Statue of Liberty from Liberty Park, which is pretty cool. Uh, so I had never actually been on the campus until later when we played them in basketball. Uh, what I, you know what I love about St. Peter's, too? I love the Have you heard the name of their arena on campus, their basketball arena? It's called Run Baby Run Arena. I absolutely love that. And it's actually called that. Uh, a guy who played for St. Peter's uh, back in 1968. That was the last time anybody really talked about St. Peter's basketball. Um, but a guy who played on that team, and that team was was famous for um, beating Duke in the NIT tournament to make the NIT semifinals. That's back when the NIT tournament, by the way, was huge. There was a time, folks, the NIT tournament was bigger than the NCAA tournament, believe it or not. You know, and of course, the finals and semifinals always played at Madison Square Garden. But that was the last time anybody talked about a St. Peter's school. Uh, basketball team. Well, one of the guys that played on that uh, team uh, ended up being very successful in business, and uh, he helped finance the uh, uh, the renovation of the arena. and uh, And that team was uh, known as Run Baby Run back in 1968, and that's why the arena is called that. But it's just kind of a cool uh, a cool name. Uh, so everybody's looking forward to that. But tonight. Uh, Gonzaga, the number one uh, seed, overall seed, uh, will play tonight. Um, they will take on Arkansas. I expect Gonzaga to win that. I expect Gonzaga to win the whole thing. I have them on my bracket going all the way uh, to the championship. Villanova also plays tonight. That is going to be a, uh, a fascinating game as well uh, as they will take on uh I believe it's Arizona in their game tonight, so that'll be a fun game to watch. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of drama tonight, and uh, we will see 
how it goes. Michigan also plays tonight. I think the uh, you know the Michigan run. Nobody really expected them to get as far to the Sweet 16. Uh, a team that was kind of underwhelming uh, in the regular season. Actually, then I said they were taking on uh, that Villanova was taking on uh, Arizona. Villanova will take on Arizona if they win against Michigan tonight. Uh, Arizona will play Houston. Uh, but I think Villanova will take care of Michigan fairly easily tonight, and then uh, their run will be over. It's, uh, again, a team that uh, barely made it into the NCAA tournament. They were an 11 seed and uh, didn't think they were going to make it at the way their uh, their season ended. Of course, Juwan Howard getting suspended for those five games certainly didn't help the team or their image. Uh, but anyway, so uh, that all begins tonight. Uh, TBS and CBS will both have the games on tonight, so uh, you'll be flipping back and forth between the two channels, I'm sure. Um, so that'll be fun. I can't wait for that. Um, the other big news um, in the New York area outside of St. Peter's uh, taking on uh, uh, their opponent in the Sweet 16 uh, tomorrow is that the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, has now decided that he is going to exempt athletes and performers from the city's vaccine mandate for private workers. As you probably have heard by now, if you work for a private company in the city of New York, you are required to be vaccinated to work in the office. And that extended to professional athletes. And but the thing is, and and the reason that Eric Adams is using the exemption here is he said, look, uh, you know, there was a loophole in the uh, law that was originally uh, done. I believe it was I built I believe Bill de Blasio, the former mayor, was the one that started this. But there was a loophole in the law that exempted visiting players and performers to still play and perform even if they don't technically work in New York. So they, you know, so if, if you were unvaccinated on another team and you came in to play the Nets, you could still play. And yet Kyrie Irving could not play for his own team. So because of that, uh, they decided, uh, or Eric Adams has decided to uh, lift this. And make no mistake, this isn't about Kyrie Irving. This is about the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. As soon as spring training finally started and people found out that Aaron Judge really wasn't vaccinated and there were a few other players that were not vaccinated and there was a real possibility that Aaron Judge would not be available for half the games for his team this year, you knew something was going to happen. And Eric Adams is a big Mets fan. As a matter of fact, uh, when he is going to make the official announcement about this, it's going to be at City Field where the Mets play. So there was no doubt that this was going to happen. And and this and by the way, you know it's kind of funny. You, people want to talk about baseball's dying, right? Baseball's a dead sport. It's you know it's on its way out, and soccer is going to pass pass it soon. By the way, when my when uh, when my hair regrows, that's when soccer in this country will overtake baseball. That's never going to happen. People have been saying baseball is dying for years, and yet the revenue continues to go up, the fans continue to go up, the money continues to go up. Baseball is not dying. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but but So 
isn't it funny that all of a sudden when baseball, the Yankees, and the Mets get involved, all of a sudden the rules change in New York, yet the Brooklyn Nets all season long were screaming about this, trying to make it so that Kyrie Irving, their best player, could play in their games, and the needle did not move. But suddenly the New York Mets and the New York Yankees can make that needle move. So I don't want to hear that baseball's dead. Um, but And look, I... I, I I always thought it was kind of silly. Look, we have mass mandates, you know, and if you want to make them, you know, to me, the the thing to do here, if, if you had been a Kyrie Irving and you wanted to play in home games or if you were Aaron Judge or anybody else, well, make them wear a mask. You know, I have less of an issue with it outside considering, you know, baseball is played outside and, and there's, uh, it's it's not a contained space. Basketball may be a little bit different because you're inside, but I, I never understood. Look, if we're going to have – Send our kids to school with masks on. Why can't we send our employees to work with masks on, even if they're unvaccinated? You know, just to me, it didn't make any sense. You know, every every city's going to look at it different. In some cases, it's grandstanding by politicians, in my in my opinion. Um, but you know, I never understood it to begin with, and I'm glad about this because the last thing that we need is the baseball season starting and some of the New York Yankees and New York Mets stars not being able to play in games. We're already facing that when we go to Canada. Uh, when baseball goes to Canada, we don't know yet whether Aaron Judge will be able to go to Canada. We don't know yet uh, whether the unvaccinated guys on the Red Sox are going to be able to go to Canada. Now, Xander Bogarts was one of those guys. Guess what? He's gotten vaccinated. So a few of the other guys that weren't vaccinated last year have gotten the shot. Chris Sale still is not. It's not going to matter right now because Chris Sale's not uh, uh, going to be playing because of the injury. But we still don't know whether they'll be able to go to Canada. So the Yankees may still be without judge uh, for whatever games they play in Canada, what they play 19 times. So whether it's nine or 10 games in Canada, he might not be available. But, uh, you know, maybe things will change there as well. Uh, there's yet another uh, variant of the virus kicking around. They say that it's even more contagious. It's not any more serious. It's not more deadly. It's not more, uh, you don't get any sicker than the other one. It's just more contagious. And, so they're saying that, you know, things could ramp up again in terms of number of infections. So it, it's very likely that the rule in Canada is going to stay the way it is for now. And it's very likely that guys aren't vaccinated, aren't going to be able to go. But for the Yankees, you know what? If the rule is, you know, we're going to another country and we lose somebody for nine games, it's a hell of a lot better than losing guys for 81 games in games in our own uh, stadium. So, uh Probably a silly rule to begin with, uh, but uh, it, it is what it is. And but again, baseball ain't dead, folks. Not if uh, not if the New York Yankees and the New York Mets can move things as quickly as they did once spring training started. They have way more juice than you think they have. Um, the other talk I watched uh, the Red Sox spring training game yesterday. Red Sox finally lose the spring training game again. Not that the games make any difference. Uh, but they finally lose one. They had won their first, what, six games down in spring training. Uh, they lose yesterday uh, to the Minnesota Twins 10-4. to But the story in the game yesterday really was Nate Evaldi. He made his second spring training appearance. He pitched uh, four perfect innings. Four innings, no hits, no runs, no walks. Struck out six. 
looked really, really sharp. He looked pretty good his first outing of the spring, at least for the first two innings. Gave up a couple of inning, uh, runs in his third inning. Uh, but again, they're trying to push these guys a little bit more simply because of the fact uh, that they're not going to get as many starts as they normally would uh, in spring training. But he looked really, really good. Um, I don't remember what his pitch count was, uh, but uh, you know my guess is it was probably up in the 60s. Uh, so the, the plan is, is to try to get these guys up to 80 to 85 pitches prior to the start of the season. But if, if, if yesterday's any indication, Nate Evaldi's ready to go. Uh, so that was uh, story number one. Uh, the other part of this was is that uh, it really was just two pitchers yesterday. And the one that maybe is most concerning, uh, Ryan Brazier, who uh, missed a good part of last year with an injury, came back late in the season, was fairly effective. And he only pitched 10, 15 innings last year, but he was fairly effective when he came back. Uh, yesterday he gave up four hits and uh, four runs in uh, two-thirds of an inning. Uh, so, uh, again, it's spring training. You don't get too concerned about it. Uh, the other one is Connor Siebold, a guy that some people think might be part of the Red Sox bullpen this year. Uh, maybe a long guy out of the bullpen, a role that Martin Perez and Garrett Richards kind of held last year at the end of the season after they got him out of the rotation. Uh, Connor Siebold was dreadful yesterday. Uh, he walked three guys. He gave up two hits, gave up five runs, didn't get an out. It was so bad in spring training that your manager has to come out and get you in a spring training game. You know, they don't worry about the results too often in spring training, but you know it's bad when you can't get an out and you've given up five runs and here comes the manager with the hook. It was uh, so that was so really, I mean, nine of the ten runs the Red Sox gave up uh, were in two thirds of an inning. Four by Brazier and two-thirds and five by Siebel without getting an out. Outside of that, the Red Sox pitching staff looked great. Um, so, so you know, the, But the other part that people are talking about, obviously yesterday was the introduction of Trevor Story. Uh, they had the, the press conference yesterday, talked about how Xander Bogarts had, had called him and, you know, and, and, and Chris Sale and a couple other guys. And they asked Xander Bogarts, you know, this is a guy that plays your position. Why did you try to recruit him? Uh, and Xander Bogart's answer was, I'm obsessed with winning. Uh, you know, I mean, you love to hear that, right? I'm obsessed with winning. So uh, basically saying, look, whatever it takes, I want to win. And it just it's just another continuation for me of what a great citizen Xander Bogart's has been since being with the Red Sox. Um as Pete Abraham said in the Boston Globe in his story yesterday, you know, nobody is perfect. No player is perfect. But Xander Bogarts, at least in the way that he conducts himself as an, a human being and as a teammate and as a representative of that organization, he has been as close to perfect as you can be. I mean, you know, look – and, and, you know, the other thing is, is, is what Pete points out is, you know, Sander Bogart signed a very team-friendly deal when he signed that big contract, right, for uh, essentially $20 million a year. And the question now becomes, with Sander Bogart's having an opt-out this year, will the Red Sox 
do the same thing for Xander Bogarts and say, okay, look, you kind of helped us out by keeping your salary down for a few years. We're going to reward you now, and we're going to pay you. That's the question. Now, Sam Kennedy was asked about that yesterday, and Sam Kennedy said, look, I've known Xander since he was 16 years old, and I want him here. You know, I hope he's part of this you know, organization for as long as humanly possible. I don't know exactly what humanly possible means. Usually that means as long as fiscally possible. Um, and he said, I think that's his goal as well. You know, uh, Hein Bloom has said, you know, that he wants Xander Bogarts there. Everybody is saying the right things, but we have to see, you know, where that's going to go. What makes this a little bit more complicated is Scott Boros is Xander Bogarts' agent. Now, the, when he signed that, that long-term deal for 20 mil, he basically told Boros, look, I want to be here. This is what we're going to do, and let's get it done. Now it's going to be interesting to see who's running the ship here. If Xander Bogarts is still steering the ship and he is telling Boros what's he, what he wants and, and Boros is just kind of following direction, which, by the way, is what an agent's supposed to do, you know, in, but in a lot of cases, especially in Boros's cases, you know, a lot of players just back off and let Boros do the work. I love players that will tell their agent, hey, you're working for me. This is what you're going to do. So we're going to find out how much Xander Bogars really wants to be in a Red Sox uniform. He said that that's his family. He loves it. That's where he grew up, and, and he wants to stay there. We're going to find out. But at the same time, this isn't on Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts took care of the Red Sox for a few years, and now when you see guys like you know, Carlos Correa signing a $105 million contract for three years. You know, you see what Francisco Lindor is getting paid. You know, you see what uh, Corey Seager is getting paid, what Trey Turner is getting paid. You know, if you're Xander Bogart, you're going, hey, hello. You know, my numbers, at least offensively, are as good or better than those guys. So, you know, and they're making 10, you know, 12 million dollars more a year than I am. Where's mine? He's well within his rights to ask for that. Now we can argue all day whether he should still be the shortstop and whether Trevor Story should be the shortstop and Bogart should move to second. You know, we can argue that till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you I, I cannot think of a better representative for a team than Xander Bogarts. I've said that a million times, and he is a guy that I think should be someone who is like a Derek Jeter who retires as a Boston Red Sox. You know, we don't see it very often anymore. You know, we, 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 we can talk about that all we want. This isn't the old days. This isn't Carl Yastrzemski playing for the Red Sox and, you know, and, and, and running it off into the sunset. Um, you know, guys don't stay with one team anymore. The money is too big. You know, and clubs can't afford to pay guys when the, when the, uh, uh, when the money gets too high, but this is the Boston Red Sox. If there is a team that can afford it, the Boston Red Sox are one of them. Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, if they want – Aaron Judge has said he wants to be a Yankee for life. The Yankees can make that happen. You know, the Dodgers can make that happen with Mookie Betts. They did, right? They can do that with anybody they choose to because they have the wherewithal to do it. You know, and Scott Boros pointed that out yesterday when he was interviewed. He said, look, you know, uh, let's see. You know, the Red Sox are saying all the right things. But let's see what happens. As uh, as my father used to say, 
Uh, money talks and uh, BS walks. You know, that was one of my dad's favorite sayings. So it's like, you know, you can talk a good game, but can you back it up? So the Red Sox are saying all the right things. Xander Bogarts has done all the right things for this organization. So now let's see if the Red Sox are willing to show their appreciation and keep Xander Bogarts exactly where he needs to be. You know, again, whether it's at second base, whether it's at third base, whether it's at shortstop, that can all be debated. You know, because the other part of it with me is if they pay Xander Bogarts the money, I don't think he's going to care as much about what position he plays. You know, it's kind of, my wife, Barb, says the same thing. She said, uh, uh, my company pays me a lot of money. I don't care if they want me to be the janitor. For the kind of money that they're paying me, they can give me any title they want to give me. Just pay me. And, they, my, and my wife gets paid very, very well. It allows me to, to do this. Uh, you know, so, you know, if they pay Bogarts as a shortstop, you know, if and I, and I don't know what it's going to, is it going to take $30 million a year? I don't know. You know, maybe it would take $25, 28000000 million a year. Maybe it would take the, the kind of money they're paying Trevor Story. I don't know. And it may and it may not even be the the amount. It may be the years. It may be look, you know, lock me up for 8 years at 25 million dollars a year. And and that may be what it takes. And then, you know, and then if if you're going to pay me that and you want me to play second base, then so be it. I mean, that's I, I would imagine and that may be the sticking point here. I have to imagine that that is going to be part of the conversation with Xander Bogarts about whether you're going to pay him or not is, look, uh, are you willing for the better betterment of the team if we need you to to play a different position, if we need you to switch to second base and so we can put Trevor Story at short because it makes us a better team, are you willing to do that? If you are then we'll pay you. If you're not, then it may be a different conversation. And, you know, it, it was an interesting um, word that Scott Boros used to describe Xander Bogarts. And I don't disagree with it, by the way. He said that Xander Bogarts has grace. And that's a, that's an, that is a, uh, it's an interesting word. You don't hear, hear that said about a lot of people, but he does. And he, the way he conducts himself and, and, uh, he does everything the right way. He does it, uh, uh, with class, you know, class might be another way of saying, you know, that he's got grace, but, uh, although grace implies a little bit more, but that why I thought that was a very interesting description. And he does. And and if he has that grace and if he has that class, perhaps he does not also have that ego. Now, you have to have some ego to be a professional athlete. There's no question because you can't be doubt you can't doubt yourself and be successful as a professional athlete more often than not. So he may have the self-confidence to say, "Yeah, I don't care." 
you know, just, you know, I'll play wherever I want to do whatever makes the team win. And he has said that he's obsessed with winning. So if that's true, perhaps he would be willing to move to second base. But I have to believe it's not just about the money. That's, there's got to be a conversation as far as uh, his position goes as well. So we'll see. We'll see. All I know is I'd like to, to see him there. Uh, one of the quick thing before we take a break, one of the funniest things I saw, Alex Spear had this in the Globe yesterday. Will Middlebrooks was part of the group that called Trevor Story uh, to try to get him to come to Boston. Now, I, I, I've said this before. I love Will Middlebrooks. I follow him on uh, social media. Uh, I find him a um, uh, very honest. Uh, he's funny, uh, but I find him, you know, he is not afraid to give you his uh, analysis, and, and he doesn't uh, sugarcoat anything, which I love. But he said that he called Trevor Story up. He said, he said, I was selling it for days. He said, I laid it out. I said, look, New York smells like garbage, and they have rats the size of Shetland ponies. You don't want to go there. He said, you don't want to go to California. The taxes are absurd. You'll lose all your money there. He said, in Houston, they have hurricanes. Boston's the perfect place to be. I love it. He said, now, and he said, look, I made, he said it was a joke. He said he got a kick out of it. He said, I, but he said, and this is, this is I think, the key here, and Trevor Story said this was important to him. He said, I've played in five places. And he said, if you want the best experience in baseball as a player, you have to experience playing as a home player at Fenway Park in front of Red Sox Nation. He said, I, you know, he said, look, I went from Boston to San Diego. He said, and back then, San Diego didn't care about baseball. He said, it was tough. He said, I, I missed that pressure, the pressure that the fans put on you in Boston to win. And he said, I missed walking down the street the day after a game to get breakfast and have some guy ask me why I swung at a 2-2 slider in the dirt. He said, I missed the passion. And and Trevor Story said that that was important to him as well. So it, it I just thought, thought it was great. Um, Will Middlebrooks is going to work on some Red Sox games this year. I am really looking forward to that. Uh, they've had Kevin Euclid on. He is going to be doing some games for him this year, and he's okay. Um, you know, it's tough because you, you miss Jerry Remy, but Euclid's okay. He doesn't suck. He's way better than Johnny Gomes was when they had Johnny Gomes on there. Uh, he's better than Ellis Burks was, and and I like Ellis Burks, and Ellis Burks is going to be doing some studio stuff, but he really was he was too stiff in the booth, I felt. Euclid uh, seems a lot more relaxed and not afraid to poke fun at himself, so uh, I thought he's done a pretty good job. Uh, but I'm looking forward to Will Riverbrooks, and, and I'm glad that he was involved uh, in trying to get Trevor Story there. I just thought <laughs> they have rats the size of Shetland ponies. you got to love that. It's 36 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 39 minutes past the hour. Welcome back uh, to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Um you know, I was killing the Oakland Athletics yesterday for their uh, absolutely hideous payroll and the fact that, you know, that, you know, before they even sell a ticket, they've actually gotten a hundred and, you know, probably, you know, $120 million or so just from uh, television revenue and revenue sharing. And yet their payroll is, you know, $40 million. It's just, it's just a joke. Well, yesterday, <laughs> this was great. Jock Peterson who now plays for the uh, San Francisco Giants, signed as a free agent uh, from Atlanta, uh, went on uh, uh, Twitter yesterday and took shots at a few other teams around Major League Baseball for their uh, salaries. 
he literally uh, tweeted out about the bottom three and said, I'm embarrassed for your fan base. Be better. If you can't sell your team to somebody that wants to show the fan base in baseball, they're at least trying to compete. Sorry, unacceptable. And he was referencing the fact that the Cleveland Guardians, the former Cleveland Indians, I'm just going to take a little while to get used to that, uh, their payroll right now is $35.6 million. The Pirates, 35.25, and the Baltimore Orioles at $31 million, which, by the way, considering the amount of money that the Baltimore Orioles get from the television revenue in their local market in uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area, uh, and that ball, a beautiful ballpark. The fact that they have, they have. I still think they have the best ballpark in baseball. Period. I don't care what anybody says. And and I, you know how much I love Fenway Park. Uh, but Camden Yards is just phenomenal. Not a bad seat in the house. If you haven't been there, you got to go. Uh, but to have a payroll at thirty-one million dollars. Think about this now. Everybody used to, call, you know, used to kill the Tampa Bay Rays for having this small payroll. You know, they're not even in the bottom five. You know, you look at that, you know, the Guardians at 35.6. Jesus, it makes the uh, the Oakland Athletics look like, uh, uh, you know, big spenders. But, I mean, it's silly. And when you look at the Guardians, one of the other things is um, it's owned by the Dolan brothers, Larry and Paul Dolan. Their brother is running for the Senate, the U.S. Senate seat out of Ohio. He's a Republican in Ohio running for the Senate. He put down $10 million of his own money on his campaign. So that's how much money the Dolan brothers have, folks. He put down $10 million of his own money just to run for the Senate. That's that's uh, about, uh, you know, 30% of the entire payroll of his brother's baseball team. It's just insane. It's insane. But good for... Good for Jock Peterson for calling him out. And and look, you know, and the thing is, and Craig Calcaterra pointed this out this morning in uh, the Cup of Coffee newsletter that I, that I get every day. Um, he points out, and he's right, that selling the team isn't going to make that big a difference, and here's why. Major League Baseball doesn't want big spenders. Major League Baseball is not happy that Steve Cohen owns the New York Mets because they're not afraid to spend money. And when we just got, went through a CBA where the owners don't want to spend money and they're trying to keep the luxury tax threshold down and trying to keep minimum salaries down and everything else, by and large, Major League Baseball doesn't want guys that are going to go in there and say, hey, you know, Let's spend everything. Look, if it was me and I own the Boston Red Sox, and and by the way, you know, uh, uh, John Henry has spent a boatload. You know, so I'm. This isn't saying that that the Red Sox haven't done a good job spending money, but if I own the Red Sox, I'd be like Steve Cohen because I've been a Red Sox fan since I was a little kid. I'd be like a kid in a candy store. I'll have one of those and one of those and one of those. You know, I mean, there's no doubt that I would do that. But Major League Baseball doesn't want that. And right now, by the way, with the fact that they have that antitrust exemption, they can make it difficult 
for somebody to buy a baseball team. If they lose that antitrust exemption, it gets a lot more difficult to keep owners out of the league that they don't want. Um, so uh, interesting, but I was really, I just thought it was great uh, that they did that. You know, and as I said, I was killing the A's yesterday and, you know, they first, you know, trading away all their, their good players. And now word comes down that they look, they are very seriously focused on also trying to sh- trade Sean Manaya. Uh, their best two pitchers are Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas. Uh, they're trying to get rid of Sean Manaya, and they haven't made up their mind yet about Montas supposedly, but they are actively shopping Manaya, who is coming off a pretty good season. He's 30 years old. Uh, he had a career high 179 innings pitch, struck out 194 guys. Uh, you know, he uh, he started 32 games, actually completed two of them, a couple of shutouts. Um. You know, look, you know, is he, uh, uh, you know, is he the, uh, you know, is he Nolan Ryan? No, no, he's not. But, I mean, he's got a 50-41 and 41 record, but he's got a very respectable 3.86 career ERA. His career walks and hits the innings pitch is 1.2. This is a guy, didn't he no hit the Red Sox, I think? Uh, you know, so they're trying, they're shopping him. I mean, it's just insane. You know, once again, and I saw a tweet this morning from some A's fan. He said, as hard as it is, he said, you know, to, to watch all this, he says, I, I can't help it. I still get excited when I go to the ballpark to see the athletics play. I, I just, I, I don't know. You know, I, I've never had to really experience the Red Sox being severe cheapskates. You know, I don't know how I would react. I mean, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. You're not going to see me going to see the Red Sox play at Fenway very often since I now am, uh, according to the sign behind me, uh, I'm 1,015 miles away from Fenway Park. So I don't know how many trips I'm going to be making to Fenway anymore. Uh, I'm sure I'll still get there a few times because I'll, I'll have to. Um, I'm going to go see him play in Atlanta. But, but I don't know if I still lived in New England how I would feel about it if the Red Sox suddenly were bought by somebody that didn't want to spend money and had a payroll of $50 million. You know, and we're bargain shopping all the time. I don't know how I'd do. I don't know if I'd still go, you know. So God bless that Oakland Athletics fan that says he could. I'm not sure how I would handle that. I, I, my guess is not well. <laughs> uh, free agent signing yesterday, Tommy Pham signs with the Cincinnati Reds. So he leaves the uh, San Diego Padres where uh, he has been for the last couple of years. Had a tough year last year. Now, he missed uh a good amount of time remember he got stabbed back in uh, 2020 came back last year and uh, struggled offensively he only hit 229 15 homers 49 runs batted in uh but he played 155 games stayed on the field uh not a bad outfielder and uh so the reds uh who have uh, also traded away everybody (laughs) and lost a lot of pop with nick castellanos going to the philadelphia phillies as a free agent uh, they bring him in, uh, and the other thing is Cincinnati is a very hitter-friendly ballpark, and so uh, and uh, that may fare very well uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. But Jesus, I mean, you look at they, they've they've gotten rid of uh, well Castellanos, Sonny Gray, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, and Amir Garrett all gone. I mean, that's like pff, uh, you know that's another team where you know, and they were in contention for a long time last year. And now they're back to bargain hunting. And uh, so Tommy Pham will go to the uh, team. It's a one-year deal. I think it's for uh, about $7 bucks. 
Uh, and it's got a, a mutual option for 2023. And also, though, the thing that Fam put in there, if they decide to trade him, he gets like a bonus of like a million dollars or something if they decide to trade him. Uh, so uh, uh, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, Madison Bumgarner made his uh, debut in spring training yesterday. Got roughed up a little bit, but he said he felt pretty good. His velocity was actually up. Uh, he hit 93 on the fastball, which is a little higher than it's been the last couple of years. Uh, look, if they've got if the Arizona Diamondbacks have any chance this year. He's got to pitch, and he's got to pitch well. I mean, that's, again, that's another team that uh, lost. They lost 110 games last year, 110 games. And, you know, Bumgarner was, you know, uh, not great. He was okay. He won he, ERA of like four and a half, made 26 starts, but he and he was the most reliable pitcher on that staff. So uh, they need him to be the old San Francisco Madison Bumgarner. But, you, you know, you just wonder. All that work he got in San Francisco, as good as he was for, what, about five, six years in a row and in the postseason getting in there and, you know, starting games and then saying, yeah, I'll pitch you out of the bullpen. I'll do whatever, you know. I mean, just one of those guys that would do whatever, which you love, but you wonder if there may be just too many miles put on that arm and if he is, you know, if he's toast. You know, he, his better days may be behind him. San Francisco may have let him go at exactly the right time. Maybe they knew exactly what they were doing when they allowed him to walk. Uh, and go to the Arizona Diamondbacks instead of throwing a bunch of money at them. It's 49 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute to wrap things up. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call on a Thursday morning. Uh, the Boston Celtics win again yesterday. Uh, I mean, it, what they are doing now, it's It's silly. They beat the uh, Jazz yesterday, one twenty-five to ninety-seven. The Celtics hit their first ten shots of the game, including six threes. They're they're up twenty-eight to twelve. Uh, they built the lead as high as thirty in the second quarter. Utah never got any closer than eighteen in the second half. I mean, it was a clinic. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, twenty-six points. Jalen Brown had twenty-six points, thirteen assists, a career high for Marcus Smart. Uh, by the way, it's the eighteenth straight game that Tatum has had uh, at least 20 points. It's, I mean, it's just, what they're doing is ridiculous. They are now just a game and a half behind the Miami Heat for first overall in the Eastern Conference, tied with Philadelphia and Milwaukee. I mean, it's just, they are, they've won nine of the last 10, five in a row. They, in their last 31 games, 31 games, 27 and four. Think about that for a minute. I mean, that is stupid good. Uh, this is the team that everybody thought the Celtics had. This is the team everybody expected, although I don't know that anybody could have expected this much. It's just insanity. And they're not just beating people. They are beating the hell out of them. Uh, they will be off now. They will host the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves uh, coming up on Sunday. Uh, so they are uh, in great shape, and and the the Timberwolves uh, right now sit uh, in sixth place in the Western Conference. So it'll be a decent test. They they will come in forty two and thirty two, and a team that is playing fairly well as well. They have won seven of their last ten, so it'll be a little bit more of a test for the Celtics. Uh, hopefully, coming up on Sunday, uh, Brittany Griner, WNBA star, uh, is in jail in Russia. 
Of course, that uh, has been made uh, a lot more complicated with what's going on over in the Ukraine. But she was arrested at an airport and uh, was accused of having uh, vaping cartridges, I guess, in her luggage that had hashish oil in them. If she's could, if she was convicted in Russia of this, she could get ten years in prison. Uh, she plays for uh, a team over there in the off season uh, away from the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, but she's been in custody ever since. Well, yesterday, for the first time, a, a U.S. State Department official was finally able to uh, go see her uh, and said that, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, she's doing uh, as well as can be expected. But, I mean, look, uh, I've seen experts saying that she could get like five years of hard labor. I mean, this is just insane. And, and she's a, unfortunately part of the political uh, she's a political football now in this whole thing with the uh, with Ukraine and Russia and trying to get the United States to back off and the, the sanctions and everything. But just uh, just insanity. But uh, and, you know, whether you're a WNBA fan or not, uh, as a human being, you just 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 hideous. So uh, hopefully they'll they'll be able to get her out of there and she doesn't continue to be uh, uh, part of the game that uh, Vladimir Putin is playing over. It's just nuts. Uh, big trade yesterday in the NFL. Uh, we were going to talk more about this, but just ran out of time. But Tyreek Hill got traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins gave up a ton to get him. Their first and second round picks and their fourth round picks this year and then their fourth and sixth round picks next year. Uh, and uh, then the Dolphins immediately signed him to a uh, contract extension, a four-year extension for $120 million, which now becomes the highest uh, contract ever given to a wide receiver. It passes the one that Devontae Adams just signed uh, with Las Vegas last week. Um, $72.5 million of it's guaranteed. J- just great, crazy. And for that, why did they do it? Because the Chiefs were in a salary cap problem. Uh, they shed $18 million of salary cap space uh, by trading Tyree Kill. We're going to have Dan Zampano on tomorrow. There's been so many things happening in the NFL with free agency and trades and everything else. Uh, so we're going to have Dan on tomorrow to talk about uh, all the all the nutso stuff that's been happening around the NFL and get his take uh, on the Tyree Kill uh, move as well as the all the quarterback moves and stuff that have happened. So uh, uh, we'll have Dan on uh, tomorrow to wrap up our week. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with Dan Zampano and another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning. A little music from Randy Travis. Let's go go old school, way back. Randy Travis, we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.